0: Hello, everyone. Before we start today's show, I just want to let you know the conversation you are about to hear was recorded last Friday, April 16th. Yesterday, a former Minneapolis police officer was convicted of murdering George Floyd. Therefore, this podcast doesn't mention the outcome of the trial because it was unknown at the time of our discussion. However, what was known at the time of our discussion was that the social justice movement that gathered momentum in the aftermath of Floyd's murder. Forced many industries, including renewables, to take a long, hard look at their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. This podcast focuses on those efforts. Thank you for listening. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Renewable Energy SmartPod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon, and today we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the renewable energy sector. This is an extremely important issue and one where the renewables industry has a long way to go. My guests are Kenneth Labaja and Doreem David. They are two black men who've worked in the industry for a number of years, and they're here to share their insider perspectives on what the industry gets right, what it gets wrong, and how it can get better. But before we get started, I'd like to thank our exclusive sponsor, EDF Renewables. EDF Renewables is a market leading independent power producer and service provider with over 35 years of expertise in developing wind, solar, storage, and electric vehicle charging systems. EDF Renewables, energy your way. So let's get to it. Once again, our topic today is diversity. Equity and Inclusion, or DEI, in the renewable sector. I'm joined by two black men who are passionate about this issue and kind enough to come on this podcast to share their insights. Kenneth Labeja is the co founder and chief financial officer at Triple Oak Power. As is custom in your native Uganda, I know you prefer to go by your last name. So, Labeja, how are you doing today?
1: Good. Thanks for having us, Sean.
0: We are also joined by Dareem David. Dareem is Director of Finance at Primergy Solar. Dareem, how are you today? Doing great, Sean. Great. I'm glad you guys could join us. Obviously, like I said, the topic we're going to try and break down a little bit is where the renewable energy industry stands right now when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. It would be kind to say that there's a, a lot of room for improvement. So that's something I want to get into today and hear from you guys on your insights, your experience in the industry, you know, where you think things can improve and, and how to get there. But first, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background, how each of you ended up in this industry, you
1: know where you started out and things like that. So, Labeja, uh, let's go with you first. Sure. So I'm, I'm originally from Uganda. I trained as a CPA and then came to the US to do an MBA, worked initially in investment banking, and then joined NRG Energy in a uh, corporate development role. This was, And then back in 2009, just when the stimulus had been released by the Obama administration, NRG Energy decided to make a big push into solar, and I was one of the first employees that joined NRG Solar's push into the industry. So that's that's how I got, got into renewables, and I've been in renewables ever since 2009. Dareem, I'll uh, hand over to you.
2: Thanks, Labeja.
1: So I was also uh, born and
2: raised outside of the country uh, in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, moved to the U.S. when I was around nine or 10. Went to college at University of Maryland, and my first stint in the job world was was in equity research. I worked for a mutual fund called Vanguard in the Philadelphia area. I took on you know various kind of research roles and in, in, in that space. And I stumbled, I would say, into renewables, you know, through some work I was doing in real estate. I joined this startup company uh, right outside of D.C. It's called Empower Energies. I was I was an analyst there, and and that was my first exposure to renewables. I, I was fortunate to, to have a, a great manager and mentor in that role that that really got me hooked in the industry. Um, he was also a, a, of an immigrant background, so that was um that was nice. And I've kind of worked my way through various roles, um, and I started here at Primer G Solar just uh, about three months ago.
0: Thanks for sharing that background. You know, since our topic today is diversity, equity, and inclusion, how have you seen the industry progress on that? Perhaps not progress. What's your viewpoint, Ben? Dream. I'll start with you. Yeah. So I, I may have a, a
2: different perspective than Lebeja Le because I think he has uh, he has more uh, <laughs> longer longer teeth uh, when it comes to renewables. But I started back in fifteen sixteen, and in my time. I wouldn't say that that I've seen a lot of progress, to be honest. Um, I think uh, I, I've had the experience of being, you know, one if if not a handful of uh, minorities in each of the roles and companies I've been a part of. I would say maybe in the last year or so, right, with the recent protests and um, and those events, I've probably seen a surge of interest in DEI initiatives. But leading up to that, it was it was pretty pretty flat, Um, and since then, I I see companies really investing in trying to understand what that landscape is and looking at leadership, asking tough questions, and seeing how they can, you know, what they can do there. Um, I would probably say the industry is in the awareness or committing to a framework phase rather than action. Um, But I think it's it's just a journey, right? Um, It starts with. The awareness, putting a framework together, and then it, you eventually have to to hit on an action plan. So that's that's my two cents on kind of my experience in, in this industry.
0: Yeah, Lebeja. I think uh, Dream was kind, and very gently <laughs> said you've got a few extra years in the industry, yes. a few more years than yes. he has. So um, yeah, h- what have you seen from your perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah, I have a few more, a little more gray in my beard. So like, I think context matters. So so for me, I again, I came to the U.S. as a twenty six year old. I grew up as a, I was never, I was never truly a minority as a kid growing up. So I came here kind of with no, no expectations or no, I didn't see any barriers. I just looked at, looked for specific opportunities and, you know, I was in investment banking and I came out of a state school and I was one of very few black guys. And I was one of very few people from a state school. And again, I didn't, I didn't see any barriers. I just looked for opportunities. And then I'd always bring up race in, in discussions with my friends and ask, you know, why is there so many, so few Black people in the different kind of parts of the profession I've been in? And people are always uncomfortable talking about race. So whether I was at UMass in graduate school, you know, talking to to my, my white colleagues about race, people were really uncomfortable talking about race, whether I was at, in, in investment banking at Credit Suisse, so when I was at NRG, or even in my more recent roles in at Avon Race has always, always been a really uncomfortable topic to talk about. But having said that, I have always been conscious of being the Black guy, you know. And again, in, in all my in all the different areas I've been in, I've felt the responsibility of being the Black guy and needing to make sure I, I, I do well to represent other Black men and women who are coming up behind me. And the events of last year, you know, the unfortunate uh, George Floyd killing death um, for me was 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 eye-opening in that this was it felt for me like the first time in in my history where people actually felt the need to do something about dei and it was very eye-opening and again to kind of speak more on this point is like we look around our industry and both Dareem and i will look at you know businesses that that are like ours and We'll see very few people who look like us. And and again, it's a very feels like a really good time to be talking about it and looking to try and do do things about it. Are there any individual experiences that you guys have had, either positive or negative? I
0: mean, let's just have a real conversation. lebege I know you mentioned that you'd have people who were uncomfortable talking about it, things like that. So are there any specific instances or events where positive or negative that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I mean the one the one I'll share is so when I was I was transitioning between two roles in 2016 and I interviewed for a pretty senior level position and the, everyone who interviewed me liked me and um, the CEO kind of sent feedback through the CFO and said he wasn't comfortable with me representing the company. It was it was shocking. And wait wait, wait a second, wait he actually shared that information with you? He shared that he shared that with. The person who was interviewing me for the role, and wow, and, and wow. the person shared it with me because I think he felt uncomfortable with the feedback he'd heard from from the leader, and it was the first time I kind of stopped and thought about how, you know, I get I've had I have I have a really good resume, but I get less opportunities than a lot of my peers would get have gotten, and you know, again, I, I come from this majority background, and I tend to just you know, try and ignore, you know, kind of negative feedback and just try and focus on being successful. But as I look back at, at that particular time of my life, and I think about the opportunities I interviewed for, and, and again, I get down to these kind of final rounds of interviews, and I'm struggling to get through these final rounds, and I'm getting feedback like that. And the reality, and again, the unfortunate reality is I stick out like a sore thumb. And in this particular instance, the feedback came back where the guy said he wasn't comfortable with having Having me be a representative of his company, so that was tough feedback to take. I'll, I'll share. I mean, some of the positives I've seen on the other side have been, frankly, a certain level of opportunity where there are people who are looking for to expand on the DEI side, and and now I'm seeing more opportunities come through where people actually are looking for talented Black men and women to join their team. So, so that's the positive I see.
0: Dream, do you have any uh, individual experiences you care to share?
1: Before I jump
2: into my experience, I'll probably just say I feel like today more than any other time is is the best time to be a black, you know, a minority, specifically black person in renewables, given how much, you know, excitement and intrigue is kind of put towards the DEI initiative. So, um, you know, if if I were to make a pitch to to have more um, more minorities join the industry, I think this is this is a great time as far as my experiences in the industry. One, I think, sticks out to me, and it, it, was, it was last year, you know, during um, the, the period where there, there were protests and movements after the, the George Floyd um, killing. And in my prior role, before I joined um, Primer G, one of the leaders in the company made some, I would say, insensitive comments about what was, what was going on. Um, I've had personal experience with police brutality. So it's something that's that's always af- affected me or triggered me, I guess, in a sense. But there were there were certain insensitive comments made, so I, you know, just penned an uh, an open letter to the leader, kind of sharing my experience and just you know hoping to enlighten them and, and and show that this issue isn't just outside of the organization. There are people, you know, within our company that are affected by these issues as well. It's not. Us against them. It's it's you know it's, it's us together. We we as you know as one um, one force trying to tackle a bigger issue. So I would say that was probably one of my more memorable
0: experiences in the industry. Let me just slide in for a second. Yeah, go ahead. What kind of response did you get to that open letter?
2: It was a warm response. The letter did, did not come from you know a, a bad place. It was really just I was really just trying to educate and, and, and show them that. You know, people in the company experienced this too. As a result, there were a lot of efforts that were kind of garnered to to address the the DEI issue. And you know, statements were made in support of DEI of the Black community. I think really it just came down to having different walks of life. You know, some some of these issues don't affect other people in the same way, and it just it's just an education thing. Uh, the, The leaders of Many many of the companies that LaBeja and I have worked for don't have to, to deal with these problems or have to speak for an entire community.
0: We'll be right back.
1: EDF Renewable's purpose is to build a net zero energy future with electricity and innovative solutions and services to help save the planet and drive well-being and economic development we're committed to providing future generations with the means to power their lives in the most economic, environmental, and socially responsible ways possible. We understand the importance of managing energy integration in a way that also enables clean energy projects to improve the electric grid. Our tailor-made solutions can solve energy challenges facing our customers, no matter the size or complexity. EDF Renewables. Energy your way.
0: And now, back to our conversation. Now, we've talked already about the social justice movement that kind of really got momentum last spring into last summer following the killing of George Floyd. And I, I want to ask you, LeBeg, I'll go to you first. So the renewables industry was, I'm just going to come out and say it, like embarrassingly slow to issue the kind of statements that Doreen was talking about, kind of in support of Black Lives Matter or the protests or, or anything, really. It took a matter of weeks. What was your response to that slow response from like an entire industry?
1: yeah good question. It's interesting because I didn't really focus on that. I didn't really think about that. Like I think my my own reaction was very much one of like trying to explain to my kids, you know, like the whole George Floyd situation and why it was happening. And I wasn't necessarily you know looking to my industry for their response. It, it was more like me trying to understand it and then thinking about how to communicate with my kids. Doreen, what was your
0: response in the middle of all that movement and that momentum? Like I said, a little bit of silence was kind of deafening from the industry for a while. How did you feel about that? Yeah, and I think
2: that's where like being the the, the token black guy and trying to speak for the community comes into play. I think I was a lot like Labisha at first too. I, I was I kind of took on the issue with my friends and my close peers and kind of talked to them about how I felt, which was good. I was really only inspired to to really speak up in a public way once certain comments were made and that's when i was like okay i think i I kind of felt an obligation to say something and to just from a perspective of hey you know i'm affected by it too not just you know I, i want the company to to get up and say something the first thing i want you to recognize is that there are people within the organization that are affected by it and then as an organization we can figure out the best way to handle it I noticed it right in the industry. I I did notice it and it was, it was uh, disappointing for me, especially when I saw some, you know, some, some other companies being more proactive than my current company, but I I wasn't moved to really be public until, until certain comments were made. And I was like, all right, time to strap the backpack on and, you know,
0: (laughs) speak up. So we're a year later now, uh, or roughly a year later, and I'm someone who's, particularly critical of statements of support without action. So what kind of grade would you give the industry on what kind of actions they've taken in, in the past year? And, and Doreen, we will start with you.
2: I would probably give them maybe a B minus for, for effort, <laughs> you know, a solid B minus for effort, because I, I, I am seeing DEI committees popping up all over the place. And you go on LinkedIn, you're seeing like, talks about this stuff and and companies are doing workshops. So the effort is there for sure from, from an education standpoint, I haven't seen enough, you know, because I'm just, I can only see within my own organization from an actual action standpoint, I haven't seen a lot. It's, it's hard to comment on other companies. What I say, what I mean by action is I think, you know, forming those committees and having those open conversations are great. But then what are the like goals that you measure yourself by that you're actually chasing after? Like for instance, Primergy, we've had a few of those conversations and, and workshops and they were really helpful. And we came away with some some simple goals. One of the big ones is targeting HBCUs or you know, black networks and, and seeing if we can extend internship opportunities or you know early career opportunities within those communities. You know, that for me is an example of like action that it's hard to say what other companies are doing, but I I know within my company where we are making an effort to recruit more from from those um, those institutions to to kind of put our money where our mouth is. LaBeja,
0: what kind of grade would you give the industry on concrete actions it's taken in the last year?
1: Yeah, so I I find it hard to boil it down to a single grade, but I just you know building on this question and and the prior one, I, you know something that occurred to me was I I'd say the the greatest ally I have is my business partner Jesse Groner. He's very aware of DEI issues, but um, on MLK Day, I, I decided to take MLK Day off, and I kind of told him ahead of time, and he and he felt really bad because he hadn't said anything to the rest of our team about MLK Day. And I bring that example up because it speaks to how not having Black people in leadership means you don't get kind of Black input into, into issues. And I think that's a big part of why the industry has struggled. So I think I think it's really important to get you know, Black people into leadership positions, into decision making positions, and to, into positions where they can have input into, into how the industry is performing. I think in that respect, our industry has not done well over the past year or over the past Ten years, so I think that's an area where, as an industry, we need to keep we need to keep working on. Duree, you mentioned that you've
0: seen more DEI committees kind of popping up and efforts kind of coming forth from the industry. But I want to ask you both, since you both work in finance, I want to ask you both about what role does money play in some of this? And I asked that in the context of, you know, we're a year later, and and now what's going on in the news is is in Georgia, like the voting rights issue down there, and so we're hearing a lot of statements from companies that you know disapprove of of what's going on down there and they're threatening to pull either projects out of there or whatever. Does the renewables industry have a have a role to play there? I mean, we're talking about an industry that has projects all over the place. And do either of you feel like this is an opportunity for, you know, I'm not going to ask you to speak for your companies, but company XYZ to say, hey, you know maybe we won't pour our money into states like that. They're doing things like this. Is that part of the equation, and as well as, you know, the DEI internal efforts to kind of promote more diversity in the ranks, but also kind of where you send your money?
2: Not so much pinpointing on that one particular issue. I would just take a step back and say, this industry in general has—we we can play a role in putting our money into communities, counties, cities that we think represent what we stand for. And what I mean by that is, you know, like we, for instance, we see RFPs, you know, from utilities or co-ops and cities that are asking us specifically, you know, what are our values and what are we doing about DEI or other issues? We have to sometimes speak and attest to what we've done to satisfy certain things like that. So I I think we can, as as an overall industry, I think we can screen or kind of put filters out there to encourage our business partners to take more action or to, to be more aware of these things. We're seeing it a lot in our RFPs um, right now. You know, off takers are asking us what we're doing. Right? How are we? Al- how our our values aligning with their values? So I think as an industry, we can we can do a better job overall of aligning our interests with our business partners and, and kind of putting money in places we think sort of reflect and support what we believe in. So there's there's always that opportunity there. I think.
0: Lubeja, do you have any thoughts on kind of the financial side of this, you know, where, the, where the industry could play a role with its money muscle, we'll call it?
1: I think you're right. The Yeah, money drives a lot of things in, in our country. I do think it's really difficult for us as an industry to walk away from certain states, you know, based on how we feel they're dealing with social issues, because we're still, for better or worse, still a startup, even though There's a lot of money going into the industry. We're still very much in the startup phase, and we're we're all scrambling to make our projects. Where, if anything, we're all focused on tax credits and getting them allocated to our projects and that kind of thing. So it's it's tough for us as an industry to stop and say, "Hey, um, here's an issue. We need to deal with it." But having said that, I do think with the policy organizations we have as an industry are are very important places to for us to have those conversations and have the policy organizations help us push the social issues. Because individual companies, I think, would struggle, but the policy organizations can, can do that on our behalf.
0: So now let's talk about solutions in terms of how to attract more diverse talent to the industry. And I'd like to tackle this in kind of two parts. First, recruiting and developing talent that's younger, even coming out of high school or college and things like that. Uh, and then we'll kind of talk about experienced professionals, kind of luring them over to the renewables industry. So are you guys aware of any programs at the college or high school level that are
1: kind of training or mentorships that you think do a good job of that? I can take this one first. So I, I, again, I'm a UMass grad. So we just did a session this morning with um, kids in the business school. Did a session last week with the grads, This a session this week with the undergrads. And I was really disappointed because not one black kid showed up to the undergrad session. And um, it reminded me again of something which my business partner Jesse said, which is look beyond that first tier. So I, uh, I'm reaching out to the Black Students Union at UMass to try and do a session introducing our company to them. Dareem knows this well. Like if you if you uh, you have to kind of go beyond that first tier of people you can interview, otherwise for whatever reasons, you know, it's again, this is, I think it's a complicated story behind it. Like the Black kids just don't show up to the traditional uh, ways to get, get into the industry. Doreen,
0: are you aware of any programs or even maybe when you were coming out of school? I mean, was there anything that you saw or anything just exists right now?
2: Nothing that I'm aware of, not to say that it doesn't exist, but I think within the black community, so, you know, renewable energy, it kind of, I would say probably within the black community is, is seen as like, for lack of a better word, like white people problems, I guess, right? So like, or an affluent issue it's not something that like we think is affects us so we're not drawn to learn more about it we're just not we see it as as something that's not not concerning us when in reality it affects everyone right we're all on the same planet we're in this industry at least most people are in this industry to to make a difference and and you know create a better future for everyone i would just say that there's just a lack of exposure to this within within the black community. I think the more traditional paths are highlighted, right? The more traditional route of breaking into finance, whether it's like banking or asset management or you know, equity research, rather than
0: these more sort of niche industries like renewables. You mentioned earlier some initiatives going on at the HPCUs, was that overall DEI or was that renewables focused?
2: Yeah, that's, that's definitely, it's, it's renewables focus for sure. And because we're, we are trying to create a more diverse work environment. I was lucky, you know, one of the leaders at, at Primergy, um, she, you know, she's very outspoken against the lack of diversity in the industry. So I've been teaming up with her to work out these issues. But yeah, our effort to recruit from the HBCUs, they are centered around creating more diversity in, in the industry, specifically bringing more Black people through the doors and getting them exposure to renewables because that's just kind of where the gap starts, right? We, we don't see, as a high schooler or a college kid, you don't see a lot of Black people in renewables, so it's not immediately obvious to you that that's a path worth endeavouring upon. But if, you, if if there's more Black people in an industry, uh, I think it becomes you will have more interest from the younger younger generations.
0: So are there any other industries that you see are doing an effective job of recruiting and diversifying their talent that you think, you know, the renewables industry should steal a few pages from their playbook?
2: So uh, the the tech industry, I think, is a good example. They do employ, you know, recruitment tactics, but something I've seen them doing, uh, I read an article recently about Netflix and and Google's efforts. They're actually investing in endowments and, and scholarships. And providing funding to to different initiatives within various HBCUs, so you know they're you know they're they kind of going beyond the the job hiring platform and and trying to expand financial resources for for these students. And I could see that you know sort of leading its way into you know workshops and and different things like that that can sort of educate and and prepare those students for the
0: workforce. Hello, do you have anything to add or any other you know industries that you see doing it right?
1: Yeah no I, I agree. I think it's really important to be on campus. I think both Rim and I are doing that now you know as much as you can be because that's that's what I saw banking doing very successfully investing time on campus you know a year ahead of the actual recruiting cycle to kind of give the kids exposure to your industry and get them interested. so that's that's what we're going to try and do with with some of these um, minority candidates.
0: And now when it comes to recruiting experienced professionals you know, from other industries to come on over to the renewable side, what can firms do to lure talent? You know, not everyone can cut a gazillion dollar check to bring someone over. You know? So what are, what are some of the other tools that the, the industry can use to, to bring in folks who might be in the middle of a you know, sparkling career and they just want to bring them over to this side of the energy sector?
1: I think it's really important to give people a chance and to recognize when someone's been pigeonholed in a certain role. And like I've talked to candidates like that. Who are in certain roles and have been pigeonholed, and like as a person recruiting, I think it's it's important to be aware of that and kind of look at look at talent and look to bring that talent into the industry. Those people, you know, if, if they have the interest and the talent, those people can be really good additions to a team. Dream,
0: do you have any other ideas on what the industry can do to lure talent?
2: Yeah, I, w- I would say that's a great point, Lebeja. A lot of the recruiting right now in in our industry is kind of. It's it's still word of mouth, in a sense, or even if there's a public posting, it's through your network, um, you're able to land a job. I think we should, we should kind of open our eyes and look for candidates outside of the industry, too, especially for, you know, mid-level roles, because there, there are good candidates out there, you know, because we're still, I think this was mentioned before, you know, we're still sort of in the startup phase. We're still in emerging industries. But I, I think if we can sort of standardize it and, and kind of make it more... Um, more appealing to, to folks outside of the industry, we can lure talent from from the outside.
0: And now, do either of you see companies reaching out and trying to recruit military veterans? And I ask that because, you know, a whole big part of, you know, the renewables industry is, is logistics, right? Getting blades and, you know, solar panels and things from point A to point B. And also, I mean, offshore wind, You've got a lot of Navy veterans coming out, they're pretty comfortable working on boats, you know? So like, Are you guys aware of any companies that are trying to just tap that resource right there? You know, folks who might be, you know, coming out of 20 years of service and now they're looking to continue in a different career. Is that something you see?
1: I do. I do. I was talking to a senior person this morning who came out of the military. I know my prior company actively actually tries to recruit people from the, you know, former military. So I think the industry really does want to hire people who are uh, military experience.
0: Doreen, do you know of any examples?
1: Yeah, I agree. And my former job, I worked with a few
2: veterans, actually, quite a few. So I do think our industry is 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 tapping into that pool of that, that workforce that's that's just coming out of their military experience
0: looking for, for new opportunities. So now let's talk about folks who are just considering a career pivot. How would you pitch the industry? You know, you both work in finance. So say you have a friend who works in finance at a tech company or a food and beverage company or whatever. How would you say, hey, why don't you come work in the renewable sector?
1: I'd say one of my neighbors works at a very famous apparel company. He talked to me about how it really bothered him from a sustainability angle because you think about how much we waste in terms of clothing, like as much as we love to shop, we toss so much stuff out every day. He really admired what I do because he knows what I'm doing, you know, even though I'm on the finance side, you know, I'm, I'm doing something that's going to help my kids, my grandkids, etc. So I would pitch to my neighbor, to anybody in finance who's thinking about making a pivot, that the work we do is really important. You know, it's it's not just for us; it's for the planet. And we care not just about renewable energy. We care about waste. We care about you know not using too much plastic. We care about you know all these different aspects of of sustainability. And Doreen, what's your pitch?
2: Yeah, you ask almost anyone in the industry about their role, they're going to say they just love knowing that they're doing something good. Right, whether it's on the finance side or project management or wherever, it's just it's reassuring and comforting knowing that you're doing something for the greater good. That's rewarding, especially within finance, because finance gets a lot of flack, you know. And just from my perspective, this is an emerging industry, and it just seems like there's a lot of opportunity. And, and in a lot of ways, it feels like the folks that are in the industry now are the, the first movers. I know renewables has been around for so long, but the industry is, is taking a turn, and there's all these new technologies and policies. And there's so much opportunity, especially on the finance side, to come in and and, and figure out how the different creative ways to raise capital and and kind of help companies grow.
0: So we've talked a lot about how the industry can diversify itself. If all these promises and all these goals being set by the industry are met in, say, 10 or 20 years from now, what does the industry look like? Labija, why don't you take that first?
1: So I think the decision-making improves. So I think one thing I really wanted to convey is like, to me, the, the, the important aspect of diversity is just having different input, different experience into decisions, into big decisions. And that that affects success of the industry, that avoids failure, you know. So I think in 10, 20 years with a more diverse workforce, that more diverse decision makers, I think we're collectively making better decisions for the industry, which therein we're making better decisions for the planet.
0: Dream, you want to look into the crystal ball?
1: I think we just avoid the trap of we're going to
2: do it this way because this is how we've always done it type of paradigm. But I think in the future, if we expand access and opportunity for a diverse talent pool, the decision making quality goes, goes way up and we kind of avoid that implicit bias and making like really important business decisions. And that's just an overall great thing for this industry. So I think we should strive for that.
0: Okay. Well, that's all the time we have today for our conversation. Uh, I really want to thank both of you for your time. And I hope that if we can continue this conversation, if we get together a year or five years from now, we'll be talking about all the progress that's been made. And, you know, maybe those letter grades will go up from a B minus to an A or something like that. So once again, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Sean. Hey, everybody. Just a quick postscript to the conversation you just heard. We talked about how military veterans represent a potential pipeline of talent, that might help diversify the renewables industry. When we finished recording, Dareem and Lebeja mentioned they were going to make sure their firm's outreach to the military is ship But I just want to add that as the renewables industry talks about making sure the energy transition is a just transition, there's also another important transition where renewables can and should play an important role. That's the transition members of the military make when they end their service. As I mentioned during this show, there are some natural alignments between the skills the renewables industry needs and the skills some military veterans bring to the table on day one of their own transition. We're going to do a deep dive on this topic on a future episode of this podcast. So if you have ideas about how to optimize this link up between the military and the renewables industry, or if you have suggestions for possible guests, please don't hesitate to get in touch. So that's our show for today. Once again, we'd like to thank our exclusive sponsor, EDF Renewables. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at RenewablesPod. And if you'd like a daily dose of renewable news delivered to your inbox, head to SmartBrief.com and sign up for the Renewable Energy Smart Brief. The Renewable Energy SmartPod is a production of SmartBrief, a future company.